I'm Donald Trump, and I love Alabama sportsmen. Come in, sit down, and listen to all hunting, all fishing, and all outdoors. If you get your feelings hurt when animals die, this isn't the show for you. Broadcasting from the Appalachian Mountains in Northeast Alabama, it's the Alabama Sportsman's Podcast. And here's your host, Jamie Sparks. On today's episode, I sit down with Seth Johnson. Seth has been around the world twice, seen three world fairs, and talked to everyone once. Well, that's my perspective. He is a very accomplished hunter who has literally been around the world to hunt. He's an amazing sportsman, and I'm glad I know him. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and on YouTube at Alabama Sportsman. Listen in as the conversation has already started. Mr. Hale comes in, and he sits down, and he just starts telling, talking. And I'm sitting here, and both Russell and I are just on, just on the edge of our seat listening to these stories. And I told Russell, I was like, they, somebody needs to be recording these stories. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like classic stuff you and I would have grown up just mm-hmm. foaming at the mouth to listen to. And he's telling stories about, you know, the early days of turkey hunting and what it was like getting off the ground in a call-making business and, like, you know, he was telling a story about how he said, I'm not a good salesman, so I went and hired a guy that's a local pool shark. Oh. He said, and I, I, I told him, I was like, because you'll hustle anybody, I need you to work for me. Yeah. Because he, he said, he was telling the story, he said, you know you know what clamshells are, right? When you put put a turkey call together in a, in a case, uh, it's it's the, the packaging, they mm-hmm. call them clamshells. And he said, uh, when, when I got to buy 100,000 of the things, I, I need someone to get me a deal he said they're a nickel off the shelf but this guy could call him and somehow he'd get them for two cents he said that's a lot of money if you think about it he said that's why i hired him that's right he was telling these stories about it and i was like russell i said this needs to be a podcast having these two old timers that are just icons in the industry sitting here telling these stories and they're funny as all get out funny as all get out and he was he was he was, some of them, some of them probably didn't need to make air, but he was, he was, <laughs> he was telling these jokes and, and jokes that he played on like the Drury brothers. Yeah. Uh, he was talking one time about, they were out to dinner and, and, uh, something, he was just, I can't even remember the joke, but he was, he was talking about it, but, uh, that's fun stuff. Yeah. My dad's like that. My dad, He's he can he's got a memory like an elephant. Yeah. He remembers every hunt yeah. he's ever been on, or or if if somebody done something, he remembers. I mean, it, it's hilarious. And I told him, I said, you know what we need to do? He said, what's that? I said, because that place we've had, you know, we're at the hunt club. Uh, we've had it for uh, uh, thirty years now. And I said, over the years, because every year I hear it. He, he starts talking about, you remember that old idiot that used to be in this club and. I was like, yeah, I remember him. You know, we got a st- he's got a story for oh, everything, yeah. and and it's so funny hearing him, hearing his version sure. of the story, how he spins it out. Oh my god! I told him, I said, what are we gonna do? I said, you remember the old true Hollywood stories? He goes, yeah, on TV. I said, what we're gonna, what we're gonna do is do we're gonna do them, but it's gonna be your true stories for the hunting yeah. club. And he goes, wow, dude, I'll get in there and talk about all them guys. Case in point, one guy was in our hunt club. And he worked for the railroad. Yeah. And he kept telling us, man, I don't know what it is. He's coming through Montgomery all the time. He goes, there's something. Them guys down there plant. That place is full of deer every time I come by. 
Well, he told us one day at a hunt club, he said, you know, he goes, I was coming through there, and I stopped that train right there on them tracks and got out and walked down there and picked some of that stuff, see what they were eating, and brought it back home. He stopped a locomotive <laughs> on the train tracks to see what the deer were eating <laughs> yeah. in Montgomery, crazy. Alabama, you know. That's crazy. But we we got, and he's got tons and tons of stories, you know, to, to tell. Yeah. It's, it's funny. My my granddad was like that. They He was from, do you know where Douglas is? Douglas? Sand, Sand Mountain, up there by Sneed. I know where Sneed's at. Yeah. They they that's where they lived and they passed away back in the nineties. But he grew up in Paint Rock River, yeah, Paint Valley, that. Mm-hmm. and uh, he used to tell stories about the depression. There, you know, the, the river over there used to get out of his banks, and and there was these little islands, like long strip islands. Mm-hmm. And he um, he talked about taking flat bottom boat and going and with his buddy and getting his buddy on one end to let off one end of those little islands and he would go to the other and they would take slingshots and a pocket full of rocks and he said they would drive those rabbits to each other oh and he said they'd shoot a hundred 150 of them and then make rabbit sausage and give it to everybody in the community because it was depression yeah and they were poor and they didn't go hungry yeah. you know he used to tell me stories about that yeah. shooting Shooting all those rabbits and then everybody getting together and making rabbit sausage out of it. It's but, funny uh, you said because my granddad told me stories when he was growing up that he would have two or three twenty-two shells mm-hmm. and bullets, and he would take his twenty-two and walk around and rabbit hunt with a twenty-two, you know, and he only have two or three shots chances, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's what that's how he used to kill rabbits, you know, yeah. during the depression. Yep, it's something. I know you, you hear all them talk about what they went through and just like. Well, we 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 don't know how well how good we no, have it, do no, we? <laughs> so. No, we got it. We got it too good. Yeah, yeah. It just it's made a lot of a lot of men soft. Is what it's done. Uh, you know, they people yeah. forget forget our way of life. You know, doing this. Sure. You know, and 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 the things like that picture right there, you and your dad. Yeah. I mean, people don't have those memories. No, you know, no. they don't have those memories. And man, I tell you. That's what life is. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, when you lay it, when there's gonna come a day that you're laying there, gonna take your last breath, and you can sit there and say, you know what, I lived my life. I I, I lived, you know. Yeah. I I didn't hide. I didn't. I didn't, It was was it was not a wasted life. I lived. Yeah. I mean, just just on that picture right there, you and your dad with that big monster Cape Buffalo right there. I mean. Oh yeah. I mean that right there is. Just, that was a that was a great experience and. I mean, I so I I love to take. I, I'm a photographer. Besides being a videographer for so many years and producing all these outdoor TV shows, I, I absolutely love photography. Right. And so, a lot of these big trips I'll go on. I'll do. I'll, I'll take my cameras out and just film as as much, take as many photos as I can do. Yeah. So like those books right there, a lot of those are photo books from these trips. In fact, this one right here is. Uh, this is the one with me and my dad, as a matter of fact. And you'll see. So that's like me with a. There's the buffalo. Wow. Golly. And um, I had a cameraman with me, too, and he took a bunch of. Oh, there's my dad. Yep. They had, uh, they had found some tiger at some uh, lion cubs. But it was cool. We had a good time. Really good time. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. It's just. 
you, you, you still remember those times, and you will always remember that. And you got pictures here and, you know, yeah. the memories and just, just man, it's just so many people have lost it and, and don't know. You yeah. know, they just don't know. And it's sad. It is that. I mean, this, uh, you know, look around this room. I mean, you know, I love deer hunting. Like I told you earlier, I don't think nobody loves it more than I do. But you look around this room. My goodness, man, the, the, the animals that you have in here, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. It, well, I appreciate it. And it, a lot of, I mean, there's a story attached to each one of them. And I, I loved, I actually love sitting in here and being able to think back. But, but what also is really cool is everything that's in here has been on a TV show. And I have all those too. Mm -hmm. Just being able to record and capture the hunts. Um, you know, the people I've met in this industry, my I mean, I, I tell you, my best friend in the world is Lamar Smith. Mm -hmm. um, he was the host of Brush Country Monsters for, um, and he's still a co-host of Precision Hunting, the newest show I'm producing now. But Lamar, um, he turned 70 this year, and, and he guided me on that deer right there. And the very first deer, I would say, that kicked it all off. Um, I went down uh, as a client to his ranch, and uh, to the Novius Ranch, where he was the head guide. And um, we just we just hit it off. He was always one of those techie kind of people that mm -hmm. liked cameras and and computers and that stuff. And we just hit it off, and and you know lots of texts back and forth and talking about cameras and what to buy. And and, and then like very soon after that, um, the guy that owns the Novius uh, came to to me and this uh, business partner and then asked us if you know we'd like to put together a um, like a pilot for a TV show. And so in the idea, back then, the Bucks of Tecumani, um, that show still exists today, but the, the owners of that show owned a ranch and they sold all their hunts because it was on TV. Mm -hmm. And so this guy saw this, Mr. Scoggins, and said, we could do this. We could have a show and book our hunts. Well, it, it absolutely worked. And uh, the, no, the Brush Country Monsters ran for about a dozen years and um, the whole idea was uh, promoting the ranch and booking hunts. But right. along, along the way, we started doing all these other things. Um, Lamar and I became just, just great friends. We have, we've been all over the world, Africa, New Zealand, just about, you know, every state you can imagine hunting things. Mm -hmm. um, I got him into turkey hunting now, mm -hmm. so he, he loves to turkey hunt with us. But I, I've met some incredible people. Um, all the cameramen I'm real good friends with. Russell Knight, mm -hmm. um, he's he's now the host of Turkey Hunter TV, but he's also the editor for Precision Hunting uh, that works with me. And um, so a lot of lot of people I've met, some of the, my best friends in the world I've met in this industry. So I um, I absolutely owe a whole lot to it. Yeah. Um, for the most part, most of the people in here are very genuine. You know, we all have a passion for the outdoors, so so you got to understand that. This we're you know we're diehard hunters, yeah. but um, but but I think um, the friends that you make in this industry will, will give you the shirt off their back if 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 you needed it. Right. Um, and so I, I I've enjoyed the the people that I've met, um, and so you know if if all this stopped right now, I could probably live the rest of my life living off the memories I've made yeah. in the last 14 years doing all this. Right. How long have you been hunting? Well, I got into hunting 
I think the first time I went hunting was I was probably about five years old. My my dad, I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, we hunted, um, bow hunted on the Wheeler Wildlife Refuge, mm-hmm. if you know where that yep. is. Yep. It was uh, bow hunting only back then. There was a special flintlock season, but we bow hunted. Um, I didn't kill my first deer till I was around 12, 13, something like that. But I uh, absolutely loved deer hunting i was obsessed with it in fact it probably kept me out of trouble as a high school kid my 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 parents divorced when i was young so i was was also raised by my um stepfather my parents i can't remember how i was 12 13 when they got married and my stepfather had a farm in north alabama in Mm -hmm. limestone county Mm -hmm. and so he took me over there and i killed my first deer on his farm when i was probably 12 13 Mm -hmm. Um, now I know how old I was. I was 13 because I had a birthday party and, um, I was 13 cause I had a birth. When I turned 13, I took a, some money that some relatives had given me and I went to a pawn shop in Huntsville and bought me a 30, 30. <laughs> okay. A used 30, 30 proud of my, I still have it to this day. You will not pry that gun away from yeah. me. Okay. It's a, it's uh it's inside in the different safe, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, that thirty thirty, the following year on November nineteenth, opening day of gun season in Alabama, I shot a four pointer, monster four pointer, and it was my very first deer. And uh, Freddie, my stepfather, um, I love him to death. He's still, I mean, my parent, they've been married for, I don't know how thirty two years or so, right. but. He, but he, I, I really attribute him to me getting into the hunting from a diehard standpoint. Right. Um, but from then on, we've hunted like crazy. When I was <clears throat> in getting in college, uh, my stepfather and his brother started doing some hunting in, down in South Alabama at a club down there, and I started going with them and then as i got older and started making some more money i joined the lease with them and uh, started doing a whole lot of hunting and we were on the state program we had a bunch of does to shoot and i just i loved to shoot so Mm -hmm. i was there were years i was shooting a dozen or so deer in there having to clean a bunch of stuff but uh those were the fun days Mm -hmm. um but for the most part, I had never shot a deer outside of Alabama until I, I got started in all this. But um, well, how did you get started in the the TV and well, producing? so so by trade, I'm a I'm a, a, a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Um, I I went to school for that. Went to graduate school at the University of Tennessee, and um, started working in that industry. And um, I met a I was in a hunting club, believe it or not, in in, um, in, in Tennessee, and um, I had started doing a bunch of web design work on the side, mm-hmm. and I had this, I'd, well, our hunting club, I can't remember how many people we had, maybe six people in the hunting club. I was really nerdy in that I wrote down every detail from every hunt that I went on, mm-hmm. like the moon phase, the wind direction. I don't the, think, the that's, weather. I don't think you know, that's nerdy at all, man. Well, that's back then it was. Everybody looked at me like I had four eyes. Yeah. But it was 
that's just what I did. I had this little book, mm-hmm. okay? And I kept up with everything, the wind direction, where I hunted, what what temperature it was, what moon phase it was in, mm-hmm. what I saw, and what time of day I saw it. And so I did that for a season. I was like, there's got to be a better way. And so I made a website, and I built this huge database, and I built this thing where you could put that information in and it would store it in his his database and then I could export that information and make charts and all this stuff and I could like see all this information in front of us. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing led, uh, I made this and then I gave, I made it password protected and allowed everybody in our club to log in and look at it. And um, I, everybody in the clubs we started putting all this information in there and we we're like oh we see a lot more deer on the uh waning moon phase mm-hmm. or you know full moon in the in the morning at first light it's been great right you know all the things that you think you know you've heard rumors that it, it's real mm-hmm. well, we were getting data that this is real right especially on our piece of property and Heck so yeah. um one of the buddies in the club was like hey let's make this into a product because at the time, I was just having fun. You yeah. know, I already had a day, a day job. And yeah. so, long story short, is we created this into a product. And then we we had another guy that came along with us as a partner. And, uh, and so, <laughs> I guess fast forward a little while. At the time, this was years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. This is before iPhones and all that kind of stuff. Right. I think our idea at that time was too revolutionary in that um, we put this together and we were selling subscriptions so your your club would log into our website. It was no iPhone back then. Right. Right. Um, and we even had a booth at like the, back then the QDMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think QDMA exists today. Right. But um, we had a booth and everything and what the resounding feedback we got was that if they had to, some, if a hunter had to sit down behind a computer, it was too much like work, and so we didn't really, it didn't really take off. But as a result, we made so many contacts, we kind of created a mark like a marketing company for the outdoor industry. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing websites and started doing all this stuff for the hunting industry. And one of our clients was Westervelt. Mm-hmm. I know you've heard them. Yep. Yep. And so they asked for us to make a series of videos about their hunting businesses. Back mm-hmm. then, they had some international properties, that kind of stuff. And so I made we produced these videos, and that led to this guy asking us if we do a pilot for a TV show. And we did that, and then that led to us getting an offer to produced the entire series for for um tnt outdoor explosion and so i did that for two years and then we had the concept for brush country monsters Mm -hmm. so business partner that we were working with at the time he um he was selling hunts for the novius ranch and that's how i had gone down there and that's when the Novius Ranch owner came to us and said, um, would you like to, let's put together a pilot TV show and see um, 
because I, I want to book hunts on our ranch and not have to really try hard to book rant, hunts for our ranch. Let's let's make a TV show about hunting on this ranch and see how it goes. This is really before the explosion of the outdoor television. So right. um, I'm trying to think of how many years ago. We're probably talking 14, 15 years ago, 14 years ago. So yeah, um, I, I put it this way. Back then, our first year of airtime was around $35,000. Wow. So anyone, anyone that that does produces outdoor television now knows um how drastically different airtime rates have been in fact yeah. this was the early days of the sportsman's channel so um yeah. we were we were on the sportsman's channel we um put it together um we were filming if you booked a hunt at the novice and you came on there for for a hunt we filmed it so we had people that were booking hunts to come not only hunt the ranch but be on tv and we just we just we just had a great time but one thing led to another started you know some of these tv shows um like extreme hour limits um bob and chris beck um they had met me through producing um brush country monsters they came to me and said we want to make our a long-range tv show um, so I, so they hired me and, and like I designed the logo and came up with the whole concept for the, for how the show would look. Um, and then, uh, that took off and then now, um, he started the extreme store and then, um, not very long after that, he created his own rifle company called MOA rifles. But, um, now, now he owns McMillan firearms and yeah. he's like a. I'm sorry, McMillan stocks and this Bob's like a multimillionaire, so he's super, super um, successful. So mm -hmm. I like to say I remembered him back when. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, it's been real good. It's been fun, um, and and I've gotten to see the world. You know, um, I was telling someone the other day I'm I'm I am uh, two states shy of being to ev visiting yeah. every state in the country. What two states? Uh, North Dakota and believe it or not Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping to go do a Miriam hunt. I'm sorry, a Rio hunt in, in Hawaii yep. someday. I was say they got turkeys there now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to go do that. But um, got to go to Alaska this year for the very first time. Um, went supposed to go hunt moose, but I, I don't know if the weather was just right or where we were or who knows what. But we did not see a single bull moose the entire time. But we did. Um, I did take a, a really nice caribou mm -hmm. when I was there, but that was a definitely a unique experience. Um, Backcountry hunt in the middle of nowhere, taking a, a you know a, a bath with a washcloth and some some creek water. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That kind of thing yeah. for 14 days was it was tough, but uh, a bunch but of fun. Wasn't it? it was fun. It was a uh, it was unlike any experience I've had. Uh, it wasn't that cold, but it was just grueling. Like the day yeah. we, the day I shot that caribou, I um, we tracked it because I had the phone tracker and, and all that kind of stuff. It was 14 miles. We we walked the day I shot that caribou. Golly. Yeah. And so uh, then you had the, the so, packing out and all that. Well, so I will say this: we got we got really lucky in where we shot him that we could get um, back to the plane. 
a bush plane mm-hmm. and he could fly and land and we loaded up the the caribou and wow. he could fly back because it was like that was just ridiculously too far because we would have had to we'd had to do it two different times so um it, it's it was a crazy long story in fact you can watch the episode next year on precision hunting right. but basically we saw these caribou and they were moving we had to make a big move on them and nothing out there is small like when you see one it's like two miles away but to make a track around to them is like five miles to get to that point because of the huge basin in front of you um we went around and i shot this caribou and uh, we basically radioed back to the guy and said we you know bring the plane yeah. <laughs> so um by the time we got that thing all chopped up and out the door um, and then walk the whole about seven miles back. We finally get to camp, and it's almost uh, it's like eleven o'clock at night, and I was just gassed. I was worn, worn out. But uh, I, I, when I get that animal back from the taxidermist, I'll look at that one and and uh, have a nice memory of that. <laughs> that yeah. was pretty excruciating. I bet. I bet. Uh. So how, now, how did you get uh, with Precision again? So Precision Hunting TV, um, that, so when Brush Country Monsters shut the doors, um, I guess, what, two years ago, three years ago now, um, Alan Rovig, the owner of uh, McWhorter Custom Rifles, um, wanted to create his own TV show. And um, my buddy Lamar, you've heard me talk about mm-hmm. him. Uh, he approached Lamar about being a co-host of a new TV show, and he wanted to call it Precision Hunting because, um, you know, Brush Country Monsters was not just about firearms, right? It was about the, the story of managing a ranch, right. specifically the Novius Ranch. But um, this new show is going to be all about hunting all over the world, but hunting with precision equipment and the tactics used to hunt with precision equipment and so it was a it was a good progression because brush country monsters kind of it was done we had reached the end of it and it was time for a new thing right and so when alan came to us with this idea we were excited to i was excited to produce it and then he was uh lamar you know was a natural to move into it and um, so now we've, we've had a lot, a lot of fun with it. Um, if you know Alan, if you ever watched him on the show, he's like a notorious big buck killer, and he he shoots some mega giant deer. Um, I, I mean, I think this year he's already probably shot like I know he shot one that was about 190, one that was almost 200. I, I think he's probably shot like four book deer this year wow so yeah but um and he makes some incredible rifles too um right here uh sitting behind us i know people can't see what we're where we're at but let's talk about this rifle that you have right here okay um so i i had i just got back from iowa so we were on a late season muzzleloader hunt and believe it or not that is a smokeless muzzleloader Mm-hmm. So they call that the McWhorter 45 XML muzzleloader, and it shoots, uh, it's a bullet-to-bore design. In other words, uh, I have a 45 caliber bullet that's been sized to that bore, and then it's shooting 73.5 grains 
of uh, smokeless power and um, IMR 4198 to be exact. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so th there's two different loads on there. Uh, one of them shoots about 30, 50 feet per second. I like the one that shoots around 27, 50, mainly because it doesn't, doesn't wallop you as bad, doesn't kick as bad, and it's still super accurate out to about 500 yards. But um, that that is as accurate as any centerfire rifle you, you will shoot. But it's, um, it's a muzzle loader. And I can, you know, if, if he's within 500 yards, he's in trouble. I mean, that's what I was about to say. That is absolutely amazing that they have made a muzzle loader mm -hmm. that's shooting 2,700 feet to 3,500 feet or whatever and shooting five, 600 yards. Yeah. I mean, that is just, it's unbelievable. It, it, it truly is unbelievable. Um, technology's come a long way. It's still a single, still one single shot, mm -hmm. and it's still a very much a, a process you gotta um you gotta practice you gotta have all the right you know everything's got to be done a certain way right so it's not i mean you, c you can't just go grab muzzler off the shelf and, and make something like that work right. but um it's uh it is a precision you know the name of the show is perfect because it is precision hunting right right, right. you show me the bullet while i go and I, it's 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 a, it's bad it's i mean it looks like something now the future that and this is one beautiful, beautiful rifle. I mean, the, the craftsmanship that goes into these. And they're not mass-produced. No, they – so that's a one at a time. And if, if you want it a certain way, they will make it a certain way. So that's what's cool. That's what, that's what their, their name to fame is, that, yes, they'll make you 45 XML muzzleloader, but you get to pick the stock. You get to pick your Cerakote colors. You get to pick the custom paint pattern. It'll be uniquely yours if yeah. you want. So, and I tell you what, if you if you're a, a whitetail hunter in Illinois, mm -hmm. that's the rifle. I mean, because all that hundred yard stuff and mm -hmm. this right here's a game changer for Illinois hunters. Oh yeah, that. Uh, so that big buck right up there on the wall, I shot that one with a 45 XML about three, almost four years ago now. Right. That was my. That was my biggest free-range buck to date. Um, he scored 175, and I shot him with a 45 XML, and it just clobbered him too. But uh, I've, I've, I love hunting with a, with that muzzleloader, even when, when it's centerfire season. I've shot yeah. a few Alabama whitetails with it. That big, that big eight-point up there from Chapel Hill that mm -hmm. we call Mo, I believe I shot him with a muzzleloader. Yeah, them brow tines on him. I mean, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> They're almost as long as these G2s. It's world class eight point. So when when this bullet hits, okay, uh -huh. we're not talking about a uh, a magnum rifle, really, but does it hit like a magnum? Um, you know the the energy that's producing, and yes. I know y'all know all the stats on all this. Yes. So, as a matter of fact, I, I you know I know everybody can't see what we're looking at here, but I'm I'm about to show you the kill shot on this this buck from just a few few days ago. It was, I mean, it was, it was something. So, um, look at the energy that's dumped. Oh, in my gosh. Yeah. Play that so, again. Play that one. So, it, and bullet placement. It's all about bullet placement. Oh, so my that was, gosh. He didn't even move. The only time he moved is when he hit the ground. So, so the th what, what makes these rifles so good is that you can place that bullet exactly where you want to. 
And if you put it on the point of their shoulder, that 325 grain bullet going 2750, it clobbers them. I'm telling you, you know, get some bone, it's going to absolutely clobber them. And so that was about a 220-pound Iowa deer, and it just dropped him right there. Yeah. Um, now, if you're – that bullet, the construction of that bullet's a little bit, you know, where it, if, you're, if you don't get some bone, it's going to probably plow through. And I mm. have shot some deer where that happened. But it's still a big hole on both sides, and he's not going to go very far. Right. But, uh, That's amazing, man. Yeah. Beautiful rifle. You show me some of your other ones, too, and I'll tell you – they just make some of the prettiest rifles you've ever seen. They Gorgeous. they do. I my one of my other favorites is right there on the gun rack. It's a three hundred Ultra Mag. It's a big gun, I know, but I, I'm I I just love a big gun. Mm -hmm. um, the recoil doesn't really bother me. I'm just a big guy, but uh, that one shoots um, two hundred ten grain Burger VLDs and just it it's crazy accurate too. And I. Went to Texas a few weeks ago filming, and uh, on that trip, I shot um, three different three different deer on that trip with that gun, and just had a great time. It dropped them too. But, yeah. Uh, uh, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to go back to factory accuracy after shooting one of these precision guns. It really oh, is. I can imagine. I, you know, I had a friend bring a gun over and ask if, they, if I could help load develop for it, and I, and I, I struggled. I mean, I was, I got the gun to shoot like an inch, and by that I mean a three-shot inch creep, and he was super happy with that. Driving you crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I couldn't handle it. I was like, yeah. that's the best I can get out of it, and he said, you don't understand. That's, I, haven't, I haven't got to do that ever, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but i mean it is what an inch group is fantastic yeah. right so if you think of it from a ballistic standpoint and and you know one inch group is one moa minute of angle right, right? so it, most of these scopes that we're shooting are moa instead of mil mil radian right mm -hmm. so a minute of angle um when you think about it 100 yards one moa is one inch 300 yards is three inches right 500 yards that's five inches mm -hmm. so if your gun shoots one moa and you're shooting a, f a five inch group at 500 yards that's about as far as you need to be shooting that gun right right but you that that's on a perfect day with zero 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 wind right so if you add any kind of wind variation and you're not very good at guessing your wind that five inch group just turned into a 15 inch group yep you don't need to be shooting an animal that far yep right but let's just say, let's just say my gun shoots a quarter of an inch group, which most of these quarters in here do. So, quarter MOA at at 500 yards is an inch and a quarter group, right? And that That's means amazing. that means perfect conditions, absolutely perfect conditions, and perfect shooter form too. Right. Lock can go wrong at 500 yards. So, a gun that'll shoot a inch and a quarter at 500 yards right you add in human error you add in some wind deviation you you're you're talking about maybe five or six inches can you make can you shoot a deer with a five or six inch group yes right mm -hmm. the margin of error is great enough where if you're aiming at his heart point right. of shoulder and you're five inches left you still got lungs, lungs. right mm -hmm. A 20, 15, 20-inch 20 group is, is a no-go, Yeah. right? I mean, 
So that's that's what I'm talking about with precision shooting equipment and the right type of training and a lot of practice, you could make a shot that is considered longer. Right. Whereas, um, you know, define long range today. You know, years ago it was 500 yards is long range. Well, to me, and a lot of times we'll talk about this on our show, is what point does when become such a huge factor that um, that if you miss your, your wind call, that's going to put it well outside of your kill zone. And, uh, and what they've, I guess from the TV show standpoint, they've kind of determined 600 yards is that point where if the wind's blowing five miles an hour and you missed it, it would, and let's just say we guess three on your, your wind speed, it would, it would change your point of impact so much that you could either wound or completely miss the animal, right? So that's wow. kind of our point, um, you know, 600 yards. Have we shot things further than that? Sure. And I think that's because everyone that's doing that has got a lot of experience and a lot right. of practice, right. right? But I also think is I love to practice that far because it really gives me that confidence at 300 yards. Yeah. 300 yards sounds like a long shot for a lot of people, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. But when you've practiced five, six, eight hundred, a thousand yards, to be able to hit those targets at that distance, you got to have a lot of your um, shooting form down pat like you know we call it building the house is in other words like every time you sit down on that rifle everything is consistent the same like where it rests and and the crease of your shoulder where you place your cheek how how much cheek pressure and weld you put on there where you place your thumb where you're actually putting the trigger on the pad of your index finger all the consistency in that is going to make you able to shoot thousand yard groups when you carry that over to a 300 yard shot it's just consistency and it allows you to put that bullet exactly where you want to at 300 yards right so can all this be done with a with a factory rifle absolutely 100 percent. because you can you can take a factory rifle and make it a very accurate gun um, are there factory guns that shoot a quarter inch group yes there are but it's also like rolling the dice because, mm -hmm. you know, with factory guns, you don't know if the uh, the reamer that cut that chamber, if it was the, the second gun it did or if it was the 2000th gun that it did. Right. You don't know how, how you know, we have no idea how sharp it was. Right. right? right. So, um, you know, that's the kind of gamble you're taking with some of these these factory guns is is where it was in the production line and right. and and was it friday afternoon or something yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean yeah. but um i guess what i get at is i, I with these mcwhorters when mm -hmm. i sit down behind it i know what it's capable of and i know the attention to detail that went into it but on this on this what do you say it was 300 something grain so three, 325 grain Pittman Aramax. How much does the wind affect that, let's say, at 300 yards, at like a five-mile-an-hour wind? All right. Well, I can pull up a, a very uh, specific app here, and I can tell you exactly how much that'll that'll take. Um, so, you know, a lot of this is math, absolutely, 100% math. Um, right. Let me see my favorites here. Let me pull up here. Bear with me.
so wind um, how much let's see five <coughs> miles an hour so mm -hmm. we're thinking mm -hmm. so five miles an hour all right let me recalculate okay so we have a five mile an hour wind 325 grain bullet um, what was the distance would you want to know 300 300 yards it's going to move it 4.25 inches 300 yards yeah. five, five mile an hour wind that, that's that's not bad at all no and so if you knew all of that you can actually compensate for it and get back to like you're talking about being that precision shooting mm -hmm. if you really wanted to hit it in a exact same, and that's a long ways at four inches i mean that's still that's still long and that, i mean it could be part of the heart depending on where you're aiming at mm -hmm. man that, that those rifles i mean if you hadn't seen these rifles people go on youtube and type in mcwater custom mm -hmm. rifles and look at them yeah and, and watch them shoot these things i mean this is a muzzle loader they can shoot five six hundred yards Absolutely. i mean it's just unbelievable what they've done i mean and not just these you know, all the rifles i mean yeah. it's just well it's and, and they but they you know he what they specialize in is if, if you have a caliber that you you want to shoot they'll like let's just say 6.5 prc it's super popular right now um it's built on a short action um brass and all that components really hard to find right now but still it's it's just a hot seller mm -hmm. everyone wants a 6.5 prc just because you get magnum speeds on a short action right and you can build a little smaller gun and that kind of thing you tell them here's the caliber i want here's how long i want the barrel to want i want special fluting i want this stock i want it to look this color 90 days they'll have it done for you I mean, 90 days wow yeah but um but yeah um it's been it's been fun i've really got to be good friends with with the guys and uh, i have extreme appreciation for the amount of detail that go into their firearms i think i think what I, what interests me so much is because i i feel like i have the same level of detail that goes into the filming and the production side of things and like all the details that go into making a hunting show and film yeah. is the same mindset on building a custom rifle all I mean, every detail has right. to be looked at right so um I, I think that's why i have such appreciation for these these firearms is i know i know the amount of craftsmanship and and art that goes into it and so i uh i love i mean I, that's why i have a few that's right 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 well where do you see yourself in the near future where do you where do you see yourself doing in coming in coming up years do you see yourself still in this industry what 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 do i know you have a plan i know you a man like you you got to have a plan <laughs> where do you see yourself going where do i see myself going you know um i tell you if you'd asked me that 10 years ago well so I, i'm i'm in my my mid 40s now right. 
So it's not that I'm slowing down, but I also feel all the young people in the industry just kind of just pushing everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where I see things going is completely digital and completely online. Um, probably the networks are going to start dis- disappearing very soon. I mean, do you do you have satellite now? Huh? No, I do not. I mean, I still do because I'm, I need to te- check and make sure bro- the network is broadcasting right. all of our stuff correctly. But I, I'm just like the rest of you. I'm, I'm watching Netflix and Hulu and everything on YouTube that I can, yep. YouTube TV. I think we're we're moving away from your, your network television things. And so that has – has had such a control on the hunting industry, the hunting TV industry for so long. Even the hunting industry, it's been the number one advertiser for years and years and years. Right. I foresee that changing, and then I, I, I'm gonna you know foresee adapting and, and staying with that. Um, you know, the other show that I've been producing for three years now is called Turkey Hunter TV. is strictly a streaming platform TV. Right. TV show. We call it TV show because when you watch it, it's like a TV show. Right. Even though it's streaming and it's on YouTube, when you turn it on your YouTube TV and watch it, it is just like, it's just like, you know, it's not so much just a, you know, I know there there's a wide range of level of production that goes into to YouTube style right. content. And so we wanted it to feel like you're watching a full-blown produced TV show. Um, so we're on YouTube. We're also on Waypoint, which is a streaming platform that's um, like Roku and a lot of Samsung TVs mm-hmm. and all the kind of things. Um, and so we've had some success with that. And uh, I absolutely love it because it's turkey hunting too. And, mm-hmm. and, and But I foresee things going in that direction. I just think we're in a weird spot right now as far as we have this older generation of hunters, which I kind of put myself in. And then we have this younger generation of hunters and the, the different way all those gaps are, are digesting information. Like, you know, is it all social media? Is it your TikToks, your Instagrams, your, you know, your, your Facebooks and then your, your YouTubes. And then you have your, you have your sit down folks that want to watch things on broadcast satellite television. There is such a wide range of how people are getting their content now. So, where do I see myself? Going back to your original question, where do I see myself? Is I still want to be in this industry. I'll be 55 years old in 10 years. Um, I, I mean, there are icons that have been in this industry for years and years and years. I still still want to do it. Um, where do I see myself? I see myself adapting and changing with time and, right. um, and producing content and, and – uh, you know, hanging out with, with the friends I've made in this industry and, and just continuing to work. But, um, you know, as far as, like, check boxes I want to fill, you know, I, I really don't – I've been able to see the world and hunt, you know, like I was saying earlier, Africa eight times, New Zealand four times. I don't really have a – like, anywhere that I really, really have to go to. Yeah. I wanted to go shoot a moose, but – I. You know, I got to see backcountry Alaska, the last frontier. I got yeah. to see that this time. Um, you know, I, I I I have the opportunity to go and do a backcountry horseback elk hunt in British Columbia, which I'm sorry, not British Columbia. Like, I can't. I don't know exactly where it is. We're still working out the details, but it's in 
in in Canada. So right. if COVID will ever ease up some yeah. some regulations, we'll be able to go up there. But um, I'd like to do that now. In my hunting career, I'm more or less like targeting certain things I like to do and just slowing down a little bit, going on a few trips. Right. Um, never hunted an all dad, so I've been looking forward to a West Texas all dad hunt. I'll always chase big white tails, but, um, you know, having to go every single weekend is not like what it used to be. Yeah. I've got, I've got young children. Um, my daughter is eight years old and she's just now getting to the point where we're wanting to sit in the blind with me. Yeah. And so, uh, I'm excited for that next phase where I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to watch her do a bunch of things for the first time. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm excited for that, and, and uh, I mean everything that she's going to do is going to feel like me doing it again. Right. And so I'm looking forward. I'm really very much looking forward to that part of it. And Man, that's 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 great. Yeah. I mean, it's, you explained that really really great too. Yeah. And and of course I'm gonna figure out how to get her very first McWhorter rifle. <laughs> you know, I think she's got yeah. she's got a little six XC or two forty three in her life in her future somewhere yep. down the road. So yep. I believe she'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well man, I really appreciate you coming and sit or me inviting me over, let me Absolutely. sit down with you and all and uh and I want everybody to go and uh follow him on his social media platforms and you can tell them all about that in just a second. Sure. And uh I know you're doing something with those antlers. I want you to tell them about it also. Yeah. And uh, watch, watch his show. I'm gonna let him explain everything. How you can follow him and uh, and watch all his content. So go ahead, Seth. Absolutely. So I produce uh, Precision Hunting TV. It's on uh, Pursuit Channel. I think we're airing like five times a week now. So if you um, haven't watched that, we're on um, Sunday evenings. Uh, I think it's like 10 o'clock, 9:30, something like that. In the fall, we're also in, in Saturday afternoons or Saturday evenings around 6 o'clock. Uh, and then we have a couple times during the week. We're also all over YouTube as far as that goes. Where do they watch the show at? Um, what what network? Uh, Pursuit Channel. Pursuit Channel. Okay. Pursuit Channel. Um, now, Turkey Hunter TV, it's a streaming platform. In fact, we start airing our new shows um, February 1st this year. It's going to be on Waypoint TV. Um, which is uh, an app you can download on your phone, you can uh, your smart devices such as Roku or Samsung TV, those kind of things, even iPad, all, all those digital platforms you can download the app. We also put those shows on YouTube. Um, those will start airing, launching new, um, once a week starting February 1st, getting everybody all primed up for a turkey right. season. But we had an incredible turkey season last year. I think we filmed 18 different shows. I can't wait to see them. So we, we had a fantastic year. Um, and, uh, you know, if you love turkey hunting content, that's it. I mean, it's it. Russell, Russell, the host of the show, um, good friend of mine, just a world-class turkey caller. I mean, he's, he's incredible. Yeah, he uh, is. <laughs> so um, we have some fun with that show. But um, my little side hobby, um, I also have been making antler reproductions for a number of years. And how I got into this was that um, years ago, I shot this really huge deer that's right there. Mm -hmm. um, shot it on the ranch, and the guy, uh, owner of the ranch, asked me if I'd have a replica made for him. And um, 
I thought, sure, I didn't know what that kind of thing cost. And when I went and started pricing it, they were like, it's $3,500 to have a replica made of this thing. And, and I was just, my eyes bugged out of my head. Mm. And I, not that, I mean, I, I just thought, wow, um, what, why, you know, first, <laughs> why is that so expensive? And I'm one of those types of people is like, I want to figure something out. And so I started Googling, right? YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. I found some old taxidermy today magazines and there's a, there's a couple guys that, um, I just started talking to about how are you doing this? Mm -hmm. And, um, one of them taught me the methods. And so I, um, and then now I fully understand, by the way, how, why they're $3,500. <laughs> There's a lot of work that goes into it, it. It looks like it. But it's I fully enjoy handing a set to someone and them going, these are fake. Yeah, I mean, that's, we, that's the goal. If someone looks at these and says, that's a fake set of antlers. Yeah. Um, so I, I fully enjoy it. And it's it's It takes some time and some process, but I, but I enjoy it. I do. So. Yeah, when you handed them to me while I go, you, you cannot tell the difference <laughs> in those being fake, a replica and, and a non-replica. The, the weight and everything, mm -hmm. the color, I mean, it just looks so real. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, your social media? So I, I, I'm i just Seth Johnson on, on, on Facebook. Um, I did start a little TikTok about my antler stuff. So my TikTok is called Antler Repro. Um, and, but yeah, but uh, – Mostly my social media is managing the social media accounts for all these hunting right. shows. For our, our turkey hunter uh, social media account is huge. We got like, I don't know, 27,000 followers or something. But right. we, we we have to, we call it feed the machine. We have to keep content going on all the time. So we're posting little snippets of some of our content on a daily basis. Right. So um, if you like turkey content to check out the turkey hunter um social media pages mainly our instagram account it is huge and then of course the uh precision hunting accounts we have those too so yeah. take take a look at all of those and and see what you guys think but Thank uh, you. hey i appreciate you hey, i appreciate you letting me come sit down with you man yeah, i absolutely. mean you have an amazing trophy room and uh we're putting together uh, a trophy room edition for seth uh, and you can be able to see it when I, once I get it finished on uh, YouTube. So if you're not watching us on YouTube, you go there and you can see some of our trophy rooms there. It's Alabama Sportsman on YouTube. And, you know, everybody else, you all know how to follow us on all the other social media. It's Alabama Sportsman. So, man, I really appreciate you being on with us. And I hope I get to come back. I want to see that caribou. And, oh, yeah. And we're talking about doing some turkey hunting this year. Yeah, and, that's and right. I know we're going to get to do that. So. That sounds like fun. All right, bud. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right.